Evangelism Fellowship. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to SWAT Radio. Brad Sykes with uh, Doug McCary. We're glad you've tuned in this afternoon. Uh, uh, You know, Doug, we've got a lot going on in the news today, and I know we'll kind of get into it. But if you're new to SWAT Radio, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And uh, this broadcast is uh, is a teaching ministry uh, that comes out of uh, His Light International Ministries, uh, started 10... 10, 11 years ago, probably, uh, here in the city of Jacksonville. And now that has spread uh, not only to uh, four other Bible studies that meet, a Zoom call that meets, and now radio. Well, not now radio. We've been doing radio for seven, almost seven years. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we are a live broadcast. <laughs> People ask, often ask me, Doug, I'm sure you we're, get and this And we're too. not a podcast. Yeah. Not we are a sense. radio broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. I talk to so many people who, hey, I listen to your podcast. Well, you can listen to it as, on a, a, po- as yeah. a podcast, but we're live every yes. Monday through Friday, yes. with the exception of a few times in the year we take a break and we play some best of programs. But other than that, it is live every day. Which, you know, when you and I first started talking about this back in 2016, the whole idea of going live on the radio um you know you and i both grew up listening to radio and listening to to good preaching and good sermons and and that's fine but to get on the on the radio live and work through uh passages of scripture uh it really kind of i guess in some ways it exposes us a little bit in that Hey, we don't have all the answers, but no. we, we, we know where to go. Don't. Yeah, we do know uh, where to go. And, you know, the thing is, how many people have you talked to? I, I talk to people out there all the time who will say, hey, you, you talk about SWAT. Does that have to do with SWAT radio? Yes. Oh, I listen to y'all. Um, well, you should call in sometime. Yeah. No, I don't want to. <laughs> call in. Call in with a question. The, the whole idea behind doing a live rather than just taking the SWAT Bible studies and playing a uh, recorded message is that Brad and I or whoever's here during that time, it's normally Brad or I, but whoever's here, we teach through the passage and you can call in and say, hey, I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Uh, we, we have time every day. Usually it's the last segment for you to call in. And you can even call in and say, hey, I don't agree with that. And let's talk about yeah. why we don't right. agree. We, we we are not a place where we can't disagree. We can have, that's that's just, you know, good, the good rabbis in the in the, the Bible uh, times back during, um, especially the Old Testament, they would always disagree and they believe they sharpened each other. And we're well, supposed to sharpen <clears throat> one another. I mean, Paul says in Acts, throughout Acts, uh, that Paul uh, met them in the synagogue, and he reasoned together with them. You know, when I think of reasoning with somebody, you're you're talking it out. You're working, working that out, and and that is in reality what we're here to do. We're going to exposit the word. We're going to teach the word, 
uh, you you may be familiar with the passage we're working through. You may not be, mm-hmm. uh, but the idea is that it would challenge you. That I always say there's three things: that the Word of God should convict you, mm-hmm. it should convert you, and it should conform you. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of measure the Word of God in those three areas. Mm-hmm. How is the Word of God convicting you? How's the Word of God converting you? Now you may be converted, but the idea is that we're being sanctified. Mm-hmm. And that, and then finally, that we're being conformed to the image of Christ. That's why you know there's a lot of reasons why we have God's word, uh, not the least of which it is God's revelation of Himself to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we always just want to encourage you to call in eight four four seven 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 nine two eight. If you don't want to call in, email us at ask at swatradio.com if you have a question or a comment. Listen, we love to just hear from you. We we love to know you're out there listening, and uh, you know keep your keep your comments uh, reasonable. <laughs> yes, I, I got an email over the weekend, Doug. Uh, just somebody railed on me uh, about about not discipling. You know, it, it. I won't get into it, but it is kind of you know it is part of what we're. I was just showing you a book that I'm working through with my wife. Yes, called Reactivity. You know, yeah. think we live in a culture that reacts to everything. Yes. We don't hear what we like. We immediately react without really trying to understand what that person is saying. And so anyway, we are a teaching and discipleship ministry. Mm. And uh, yeah, if you have questions or comments, listen, we want to answer that if we mm. can. Well, um, <clears throat> it, right now, we definitely, during the first segment, we always try to kind of take note of anything going on in our culture there were there was a couple of things i wanted to mention um uh, one of them was about a, a fight breaking out at the texas capitol over a trans activist viral speech comparing the lawmakers there to hitler um because they opposed drag shows at public libraries and you know whenever they stand up they and make speeches like that they said things like people take the bible out of context or they called it an ancient book we know they're talking about the bible um and uh, manipulating the words of an ancient text there's no manipulation there with the bible god made us male and female that is the way it is he made a man to marry a woman Mm -hmm. nowhere in the bible is there any affirmation anywhere of homosexuality not well, one quite place. the contrary yes. actually yeah it goes against it so the homosexual issue the trans issue it, it's that that's all smoke and mirrors and people say well everybody should be free to do what they want no a perfect example is a lady wanted just went into a school in nashville uh, tennessee and killed six people three children six adults that lady should not be free to do that Right, she shouldn't know. You're not free to do what you want. Right, and and there are things that rip a culture apart. The disintegration of our family is one of the probably the biggest. Well, first of all, God taking yeah. God out of the culture, and then the family, the attack on the family. Well, that all stems when we remove God from a culture. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some consequences. Yeah. You and I talk about consequences all the time. When we remove God from the culture, what's going to happen? It's going to implode, and it's going to implode first with the family, then it's going to implode with 
uh, education. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it just goes right on down the line. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I love what one person said. Uh, not too long ago, they were being interviewed about the whole transgender thing. And we've got to stop affirming that that's okay out of a fear of being canceled. We've got to stop being silent. I mean, if everybody would speak the truth and say, hey, it's not okay. This isn't an okay thing. People are delusional. You're born as a male, you're, you, and you see these signs, uh, we don't have choice. You know, nobody has a choice. They're born that way. In the same way somebody's born with a birth defect or a heart defect or, you know, a a body issue that they've got to be able to do to survive, the the species could not continue if everybody did what they did because men cannot have babies contrary to popular view. If they say they're women, they're not able to reproduce. Homosexual couples can't reproduce. That's not the way God designed it. And so, but I, I, I want to circle back to this thing, this tragedy that happened up at, um, in Nashville, because to go into an elementary school with a firearm to do harm to anybody, teacher, kids, whoever, is, is it's insane and it's satanic. I mean, it, it is just beyond humanity to go in to do that of course some people would say well it is the true nature revealed right whatever caused it anger mental illness so there there were signs there that nobody just goes into a school off the cuff and shoots elementary age kids and you know I'm, our prayers have to go out to these families uh, the the rescue workers up there uh, i was talking to uh, one police officer not long ago and they were just talking about the the impact emotionally to go into a shooting situation where it's at a school. Just those pictures of those kids, it's devastating. It's incredibly sad. And we just need to take a moment right now, if you're listening, just to remember those families because their whole world upended at 10 o'clock this morning you know doug I, I mentioned to you i text you and a couple other guys uh this was my son jacob and his wife's meredith's church mm-hmm. this is where they have been members since they've been in nashville almost and uh they're in new york city now only for a year but the senior pastor of this church covenant uh, presbyterian church married my son uh, a year ago in fact a little over a year ago march last year and I'm looking at the pictures, and we've been to that church. I've been in that parking lot that, you know, we're looking at. And this, while, you know, I don't know of anybody who was, you know, whose life was taken, uh, you know there's connections all over. Well, they're absolutely. And, well, I call my daughter, or I reached out to my daughter. Right, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, mm-hmm. who's up there, and she said we have friends in the church. None of our friends' children were impacted other than, indirectly but mm-hmm. still the impact indirectly of that is going to be pretty big on all those people up there just to go in there and you know brad i i, I watched a couple of the live interviews afterwards they were uh, they were doing some live interviews of people and they got some people up there that were emotional not parents just other people 
who were grandstanding politically to try to make a point about guns and trying to get the gun thing in there. And, you know, it, it, it and I'm sure you're going to see it with politicians, uh, but no, nobody goes and makes an issue out of uh, vehicles when uh, people, drunk drivers kill people. And that happens all the time mm-hmm. because the, the car is not evil yeah. and the gun's not evil. And, and somebody, if they are determined to do evil, they will do it with something. And, you know, it just bothers me how quickly politicized these events come. It's not even been a few hours, right. and, <clears throat> and they're already trying to make a political issue out of it. Pray for the families. Help the families. Reach out, you know, to your loved ones and, and you know, get your – people around you to pray for these people these law enforcement people these firemen that were called out there uh i was pretty amazed that there was an active shooter there at 10 13 mm-hmm. and you know 14 minutes 14 minutes that's that's a long time mm-hmm. now i know they're saying that they did go in and neutralize the threat i don't want to criticize them i'm just saying folks we live in a time where the response time because of all the defunding and all the lack of funding, it affects a lot of people. It affects schools. It affects people in the community. And, um, uh, if, if, if they take away guns from everybody, not to get political, but then what you don't have any right to defend anybody. Exactly. And, and I want to know, you know, there's so many soft targets here in the U.S., and I just told you, I think we hit a tipping point. I don't think we're getting any safer. Well, you there. mentioned earlier, it, you have to be insane to go do that. Yeah. Which, when we think of insane, that's a mental problem. Well, and, and mental issues are a big part of what, what's affecting. we got to do better, so keep these folks in prayer. Amen. Amen. Glad you tuned in today. SWATradio.com. You can check out past broadcasts there. You can see where we meet throughout the week. We'd love to have you join us in person. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. You are invited to participate in a broadcast ministry of First Conservative Baptist Church with Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. And let's face the issues. This program allows you, the listener, to call in and ask your questions about current issues. Dr. Youngblood deals with moral, ethical, and political issues that face our culture and the church. Tune in every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on 91.7 for expository preaching by Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. Dr. Youngblood is the pastor-founder of First Conservative Baptist Church and the founder-president of Conservative Theological University. Let's Face the Issues can be heard daily on 91.7, 91.3, and 91.9. At 11.30 a.m., don't miss these relevant broadcasts. Invite others to tune in also. 
SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. The Florida Georgia Truth Network, on the air in St. Nicholas at 91.7. There I was on death row, guilty in the first degree. Son of God hanging on him Hell was my destiny The crowd was shouting Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug here on this Monday afternoon. We are glad you've tuned in. As we mentioned in the first segment, uh, you can call in during our last... You can call in anytime. We tend to like calls during the last segment. It gives us a time to work through the passage that we're studying and maybe you can jot down some questions that you might have. 844-777-7928 is the number. It's 844-777-SWAT. And if you have a comment or a question, uh, you just want to encourage us, send that to ask at SWATradio.com. And, uh, you know, Doug, I, I know I don't want to spend any more time talking about, you know, the tragedy in Nashville, but I think you're, what you said earlier is just – what do we do in these situations? And I think, interestingly enough, we're going to be digging into the passage this week, which really brings us back, and it reminds us that we we have a God who cares for us. Mm-hmm. And in these tragic times, uh, that's often hard to see. Yeah. And uh, I think the best thing we can do as the body of Christ, um, you know, is how can we you know, we need to pray for these people, uh, pray for these families that are going to be just completely devastated today. It's hard to even fathom how the deaths of three elementary age kids and three teachers could be good in any way, shape, or form, right? I mean, if we're honest, we, we just... Right. There's tragedy that happens all the time. And that that really is the theme of this week. We're looking at the second part of Acts 23, a God who cares. When we go through hard times, no matter what it is, it, it's difficult to imagine sometimes that any good will ever come out of it when we're in the midst of it. We, sure. we can't see it. And we're certainly not saying God sits up there and applauds. It, it, I believe it breaks his heart mm-hmm. when these kind of things happen. And you go, well, why wouldn't he stop it? Well, if God was just and stopped every evil, we'd be all be wiped off the face of the earth. Right. I mean, that's, that, that, that's the answer to that. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about a God who cares, you know, I shared a story with the guys at SWAT about, when I was going through flight training to fly the Harrier, 
you know, flight training was probably, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, Brad, just as far right. as like the demands of, of not only the mental facilities needed, but the hand-eye coordination to react. Well, one you're, one mistake, and you're, uh, well, you're that's dead. right. And you're, you're you know you going through naval flight training. You have to land on a ship, which looks like the top of a pinhead. You know when you're up in the sky, see that thing, and the first time you go out there, you go by yourself because they no instructor is going to be with a student the first time he goes there. So they get you all ready. You practice at the field, and then you go out, and your first landing on the ship is solo. And so, uh, to do all now, that, hang on a second. I gotta just ask. So, do you uh, do you have an opportunity to be in a plane that lands on a carrier before you actually? Oh do no, it yourself? no. That's what I'm saying. You're, so I know I know you're saying that when you solo, you solo. No, you I mean, don't you, go out as a. So you don't even get an experience no, no, you, of what it looks you like. You go out your first time, and you pop that baby down. And so it, I, I remember a good friend of mine from Texas. He was a he was a, a, a pilot, and he was a Navy pilot. And he said the you know and he became a commercial airline pilot. He said the hardest, the the scariest uh, flight he ever took was in the Indian Ocean, landing on an aircraft carrier with the front of that ship going oh, anywhere yeah. from thirty to fifty feet. Oh yeah, adjustment. Yeah, we when we were out on a ship for six months in the Harrier, we had a squadron out. We were taking ten degree pitches, which water was coming. You're talking about a big ship now. Yeah, this is not a little bitty frigate. This is a big LA, in the a, ocean. Yeah, it's a big ship. Water's coming up over the top, and you're trying to land on that thing. Now, at least with a Harrier, we could hover. Yeah, right, right. But um, anyway. Uh, all that to say, I graduate flight training. I'm getting my, I get winged, and I select Harriers, which I wanted to fly. It was a, it was a frontline uh, jet attack aircraft, and it was a very hard plane to fly. Uh, it was, um, but it was a great. I mean, it was the only jet in the U.S. inventory that hovered. So I got up to Cherry Point, and that's where the training squadron was. I start going through training. I'm cruising along. And all of a sudden, I get an unsatisfactory flight from one of my instructors, which means he says, hey, this flight wasn't a very good flight. And now he says, I don't, he didn't give me anything definitive in the flight that I did wrong, other than overall, you just seemed a little behind the plane, which is a common phrase means you're just a little slow in reacting. So I'm thinking, okay, but what I hadn't shared yet is when we first got there, they show us all these videos of the Harrier crashing because the Harrier is one of the most dangerous aircraft, if not the most dangerous aircraft, I think it's the most dangerous aircraft flown in peacetime in U.S. history. More fatalities flying that plane than any other plane. And so they show you these videos and you're terrified and inside you're going, okay, this is not very encouraging. See all these people flipping mm -hmm. the plane or, or crashing it. And so to make a real long story short, I end up having several good flights, several bad flights, but I don't know the difference between them. And I don't know if you've ever had anything like that where you're being evaluated. Somebody says you're good. Somebody says, no, that's not good. And you go, I don't know what I did different. Right. And so I start doubting myself. And so I end up uh, 
you know, uh, going into the CO uh, and saying, hey, I'm not comfortable for my check ride yet. Because mm -hmm. now I'm flying in the Harrier two seat, so I'm flying with an instructor. But when you solo, you'll go out there by yourself and right. you come back and you hover and you got to do all that mm -hmm. stuff. So what ends up happening is he gives me an option to either take the check ride or to drop out of the Harrier program. And I felt like I had no choice because I did not feel the freedom from God at that point after praying about it to continue. Mm -hmm. So I DOR'd, dropped on request. They gave me a review board at the local squadron level, which basically meant a bunch of pilot instructors decided if I should keep flying or not. So they recommended I should keep flying. It went up to the group, which was a little higher ranking board. They recommended that I fly multi-seat aircraft, uh, like a helicopter or C-130. And I wanted to fly jets. That's what I got winged in. That's what I, I, I really had a heart to fly jets. And I really felt like I was supposed to be in jets. So I went all the way up to headquarters Marine Corps. So for a whole year, I did not fly in uh, the Harrier uh, or was in training. I was just flying other jets, kind of keep my hours up. But I go up to headquarters Marine Corps and had a general review board. That means a general officer and uh, a bunch of colonels, and they interviewed me. And then they made a recommendation to the DCS Air in the Marine Corps, the number three guy in the Marine Corps. He was a three-star general, General Keith Smith at the time. And uh, the recommendations from the board was I either fly multi-place aircraft, I go to infantry, or I get out of the Marine Corps. So I go into this general thinking that these are the three options. And he interviews me and we talk for two hours. Great guy. He was just, it's like talking to a granddad. I mean, he was just so kind and, and asked me a bunch of questions. Then he says, okay, uh, my aide will let you know what I decide. So I leave three days later, I get a call from the, the major who was his aide. And he says, uh, the general has recommended you go back into the Harrier program. Now, that wasn't even an option. Uh, that was not even an option that I knew of. And so he sent me back into that program, and they trained me. Well, the onus was off me at that point. Hmm. The onus had been put on the instructor. I talked to one of the instructors later. He said, yeah, we felt the pressure when they sent you back down here because basically we were told to train you. Which is what their job was to begin yes. with, right? But what I found out that I didn't know is – all the guys in my original class who graduated earlier, a year earlier, that were supposed to go to Yuma, Arizona with me, we were all scheduled to go to Yuma to that squadron, didn't go because they didn't have their aircraft in there yet. So they stayed in Cherry Point. But because I got delayed a year, my original orders were for Yuma. So when I graduated the Harrier training, I went to Yuma, Arizona. So when I went to Yuma, I ended up, becoming best friends with a guy who uh, was named Pat Wheeler. He was a good friend of mine. He was my wingman when I was in the bird strike. Uh, he led me to safety. God ended up using me and his life to lead him to a deeper relationship with Christ. He ended up dying in a plane crash three years after my bird strike. I had an opportunity to minister to his family, to a bunch of Marines at his memorial, and God used that to get me out of the Marine Corps. But at the time, when I was going through the whole turmoil there, all I could see was, man, why is this not working? Why is this so messed up? And I didn't know what God's plan was. I didn't know till years later. But God 
had a plan that he was unfolding, and he really does care. And he uses two things in our life, I think, to accomplish his purposes. One is his providence. The other is miracles. Now, you and I see very few miracles. We call a lot of things miracles. Right. But a miracle <laughs> is when God intervenes and and upends the natural to accomplish his purpose. Mm-hmm. You and I much more experience his providence where he uses the natural, whether he moves a leader to do something or he moves mm-hmm. in the heart of somebody, but he uses the natural. And that's what we're going to look at with Paul. We're going to look at God's providence in Paul's case here as Paul is being tried and he's you know sent over to Felix uh, after his defense at the Sanhedrin because it looks bad for Paul but God has a plan. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 23 looking at verses 12 to 35 this week. You want to call in the number is 844-777-7928. If you have a question or comment send that to ask at swatradio.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What floats your boat and makes you happy? Kids make me happy, especially grandkids who call me Bumpa. Golf makes me happy, not always. Sometimes I yell four, shoot six, and write down five. (laughs) Time spent with great friends makes me happy. People like James, who has a doctorate and says things like, the manifestation of the existential paradigm is infinitesimally larger than the humanistic peon. I wrinkle my nose and say, would you like fries with that? But nothing thrills my gills quite like hearing how God has changed a life. Like the prisoner who told me I'm thankful for prison, I met Jesus here. Or the young mom in our church who came to faith in God and can't stop smiling. One small glimpse of what God is up to and I'm smiling too. So tell your story to someone today. This is Laugh Again with Phil Calloway. If you'd like to hear more and discover all things Laugh Again, visit us at laughagain.us. Laugh Again. Truth bringing laughter to life. No active accidents, but there is a broken down vehicle causing major delays on I-95 northbound before the south end of the Fuller Warren Bridge, blocking the left lane. Also, there is a vehicle on fire in St. John's County on I-95 northbound at County Road 210. Partly cloudy tonight, low 66. Tuesday, mostly cloudy with showers and thunderstorms, high 82. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm AJ. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, Right now I'm losing bad Stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug here on this Monday afternoon. We're glad you tuned in. If you want to call, 844-777-7928. Any questions or comments, email us at ask at SWATradio.com. You know, Doug, hearing you tell that story, and I, obviously I heard it at the Bible study on Wednesday, and and you and I ended up kind of talking with some other guys like we often do after Bible study just to to reflect on, you know, the lesson itself, discuss it. It's kind of why we like doing this live and giving you an opportunity to call in mm-hmm. if you have questions about the sovereignty of God. I mean, we're, lo- we're going to be looking specifically at 
his supernatural providence. And so oftentimes, I mean, the, the challenge is you can theologically agree that God is sovereign, that he is over all things, mm-hmm. even the shooting today, as tragic as it is, uh, God is still sovereign. He he's, is still he's, on the throne. He's either sovereign or he's not God. Right. And do you want a God who isn't sovereign? I mean, do you, would you even worship a God who wasn't sovereign? I mean, and so I think oftentimes uh, it takes getting through a situation and looking back. And mm-hmm. just as you did, you you gave testimony about a situation and you're early in your Marine service, you know, about the sovereignty of God that in the midst of it, though, you know, it's like I think of time. I think of how much the sovereignty of God is so essential in the life of a believer. Mm-hmm. But when hardships come, are we renewing our mind in that fact, in that truth? Well, I and tell does you, it change the way we I'll tell live? You, if we're not staying in the Word, it's easy to get off off of His sovereignty and just think about your circumstances. Right. Exactly. Uh, the, because when we read in the Word, we read of real people who experience some of the same struggles we experience. And we see God over and over proving himself in scriptures. Um, And Paul is a phenomenal example for us of a guy who went through some, I I don't know anybody in scripture, maybe Job, who was more uh, beat up by life than Mm -hmm. Paul. Right. And Last week, we saw Paul defend himself before the Sanhedrin. Remember, he'd come back to Jerusalem to bring money and also bring some uh, Gentile Christians with him to say, hey, we're one. He was trying to bring back encouragement to the Jewish believers there. Um, And from this point on, Paul is an ambassador in chains. He represents Christ as as his prisoner, but he's not ashamed of his chains. Uh, he's not ashamed of Christ or his change. He's happy to wear those, you know, proudly. Um, and he's before the Sanhedrin, which is made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. And remember, he defended the gospel um, last week by showing he was submissive to God's word. Remember, he 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 basically called a curse down on the high priest because he didn't know he was a high priest at the time. The high priest ordered him struck, right? And... Um, and he, he said, God's going to strike you. And then when he was told he was a high priest, he immediately repented of that. But then we also saw he was securing God's son, Jesus of Nazareth. He brought up the resurrection to these guys as he was talking to them saying, Hey, I believe in the hope of our fathers. The hope of our fathers was there was a resurrection. King David believed that Abraham believed that. And so, uh, I, I, I'm securing God's plan of uh, the Messiah bringing hope to us that there's life beyond this. And then he was strengthened by God's presence. It says the Lord stood with him as he was taken back to the barracks because they were going to tear him apart and the tribune took him back. Well, this week we're looking at the the rest of chapter 23 and we're going to see how once again, God uses the Roman soldiers to care for Paul and even though there's a lot of people that are trying to kill Paul, God's plan is unstoppable, and he uses these supernatural methods of providence, which, again, we differentiate from providence and miracles, and uh, they they define human reasoning, that the Romans would care so much about Paul. 
I mean, the, or that God would use their desire not to have a riot to get him out of there, or the fact that they care about the fact he's a Roman citizen, or even the fact that they almost beat him and now they feel somehow obligated to care for him because they don't want him saying anything. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, yeah. God's <clears throat> providence leads that. So this week we're going to look at how God reveals his care through his supernatural providence and how he reveals his care through his supernatural plan. And so I, I really would like for you to read verses 12 through 35. So that's really going to take us through the rest of the chapter. And then we're going to kind of hone in on God's supernatural providence uh, today and tomorrow. Yeah, let's go ahead and read it. Acts 23, beginning in verse 12, we'll go all the way through the end of the chapter. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune, to the, call it tribune or tribune? Tribune. 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 I think a tribune also, to give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Verse 16, now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and, going aside, asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Verse 23, then he called two of the centurions and said, get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysias to his excellency, the governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. And desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. Verse 31, so the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, 
They presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. These are the very words of God and uh, written by Luke to kind of share and what's going on with uh, the Apostle Paul and how he got from Jerusalem to Caesarea under Roman guard. Now, you read, Brad, um, how God did it. It was through his providence. But if you go back and you look, I mean, there were, Paul had just spent the night in, in the barracks, and remember the Lord stood with him and said, Paul, don't worry, you're going to testify me in Rome. The next day, his nephew goes, hey, there's a plot to kill you. Forty men are going to try to kill you. They're going to ask for you. Imagine what went through his head when that happened. Wait, he just told me. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul was human. We sometimes forget that he is human. And his nephew, first of all, did you even know he had a nephew? <laughs> you never hear of that. Did you ever hear of his family no, at all? No. Paul said in Philippians, I, I, I've suffered the loss of all things. A lot of commentators believe Paul's family rejected him. His dad, his granddad were Pharisees, his, his lineage. Right, that's the only thing I yeah, know of. Yeah, yeah. You know. and so um, they most likely rejected him. And the most amazing thing about what you read, God isn't mentioned in any of that text. Hmm. And yet he's all in it. And there's a book in the Old Testament named Esther where the same thing. God's not mentioned, but he's the main character of the whole book. And we're going to really look at that tomorrow. But when we come back, I'd like, uh, and people are free to call, but I'd love to kind of talk about a couple of these verses and what was going on with Paul as we kind of go into tomorrow on this whole idea of how can God be the main character when he's not mentioned? Yeah, good good point. Call us this afternoon, 844-777-7928, 844-777-SWAT. Look forward to hearing from you. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Have you ever thought of yourself as a person of influence? And according to Lucas Miles, you might be more influential than you think. Listen as he explains today on Making Your Life Count. Influence is never about me. 
Influence isn't about fame. It's not about fortune. Influence is about really a desire to give life to people around you. I always tell people to start where you're at. I think that if we're looking for it, influence is all around us and we all have a sphere of influence, especially with social media now. Everybody's watching everything that you do, even if they don't comment on it. And so it's so important that we recognize the influence we have and begin to really live that out. There is influence to be had and people to impact with your life. One of the best ways to have influence is to share your faith story with others. Simply tell people what a difference Jesus Christ makes in your life. Do you want to learn more about that? Go to makingyourlifecount.com. The Florida Georgia Truth Network. Listen in Orange Park at 91.7. Back to SWAT Radio, Brad and Doug here on this Monday afternoon. In our last segment, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Call us at 844-777-7928. You have a question or comment, you want to email us, you can do that at ask at SWATradio.com. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at, I read through that whole uh, text. That's a long text, uh, Acts 23, 12 to, 20, to 35. But we're talking about, you know, Paul's nephew never mentioned, never has it mentioned anything about his family. And just right here, you you discover Paul's got a nephew. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think about, well, I mean, how did he even hear about this? You know, where where well, that, was he? You know, you think of the, you were just sharing a story with me, which is kind of interesting, that you, you think of God's providence and Boy, how important is it that we remember those times where we say, can you believe that happened? I, well, exactly. And and the thing is, my personal belief about this, because we, I mean, if you know people, if somebody's hatching a plot to kill somebody. And they're pretty serious about this. They, they, they have probably, taken an oath here. They probably would not tell a relative because family ties in that culture were very strong Mm -hmm. unless that relative stood against the person that the threat was against right so he either was against paul prior to this plot or Mm. he didn't know it was paul they didn't they they didn't know the connection because remember it's probably paul's sister right that was married so they wouldn't have known that um connection there so whatever it is it was god's providence he was there and by the way they went to the spiritual leaders and we know from verse 20 they approved (laughs) they Mm -hmm. approved it and um you know paul told the centurion hey my nephew told me something first of all how did he get into the barracks why would they let him in that's god's providence second after he got in paul told the centurion there's a plot to kill me this fact that the centurion would care and, and is, took him at and, his word and took him at his word is God's providence. The fact the centurion then goes to the tribune is God's providence. 
And then the Tribune does something amazing. It's God's providence. He mobilizes 470 of the 1,000 troops that are there at the Antonio Fortress to escort Paul to Caesarea. Now, that is mind-blowing to me. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. There's 40 guys, and and I'm sure they were, like when I used to be in the FBI a long time ago, we liked 10 to 1 odds. Yeah, so so yeah. they said, hey, we're going to mobilize 400 guys right? so that there's no problems. And he wrote a letter to Felix, and it was interesting about the letter. How did Luke know what was in the letter? The, the Tribune wouldn't have given Paul the letter. Luke wouldn't have gone with him. <laughs> They're not going to let people go down there with him, right? And Paul, uh, the, the Tribune, go, hey, Paul, I'm going to write Felix a letter. What do you think I ought to put in there? He's not going <laughs> right. to do that. Right. So how did he know what was in the letter? Probably, most likely, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. In the same way, you know how the Holy Spirit would reveal to Elisha the plans of the kings that mm -hmm. were going to attack? He could have revealed that to him. And so we have a copy of what he sent to Felix. And this shows all of it God's supernatural providence. And now, in the letter, we see the humanity of Claudius Lysias because he said, hey, I rescued Paul from death. He was a Roman citizen. I knew he was a good guy because he was a Roman citizen. Um, but notice he didn't put anything in there about how he almost tore his back up with the, <laughs> right. with the nine tails, right? Then he says, I discovered this plot and I sent him to you. And so that's what happens. Think about all those instances of God's providence. I don't know what's going on in your life out there today, whether you're listening by podcast or you're listening live, but no matter how difficult the situation you are in may be, God is able to intervene providentially in anything. He can in intervene miraculously. Now, he may not do that. He didn't. I kept wanting to do it for me when I was going through that whole ordeal in the Marine Corps early and it just kept going on. I mean, it, listen, a year doesn't seem like a long time now, but when you're going through it, mm -hmm. you're like, you're trying to figure out, am I going to, what, what am I supposed to do? You just right. don't know. Right. And so uh, some people might be listening that wonder how you're going to get through the day. Well, I actually, I read a quote today uh, that I'm going to probably share at the SWAT this week, but it's so good that uh, I, I'm just, it's its from Tommy Nelson. Um, it, his friend wrote a book, Tommy and him, you know that book about walking on mm -hmm. water yep. uh, when you think you're drowning. Sometimes you just wake up and you wait and you take the God gave you and then go to the next day. I mean, it's just you day, day by day. Mm -hmm. And so often we try to think, way beyond yeah and you just go day by day day by day that's why jesus said hey the father will give you enough food for what today today clothing yeah. for today yeah don't worry about the future just well, do what you got to do doug m most of us if not all of us and i'm i highly doubt anybody would say they've never been through trials <clears throat> and difficulty and we can look back and we can see God's faithfulness 
to take us through that. You know, you, you share the story about, you know, the, the, the Marine, uh, you, you know, you're basically going to get kicked out of this program, but even, even the bird strike, you know, even that event, you know, when you're in the midst and when you're in the cockpit and you've got, you're basically in shock, as I know the story, are you, are you mentally processing the gospel in that instant you know? I, I, for initially i was mentally processing i'm gonna die and go to hell that's right. what i was thinking because i was making terrible life choices at mm. that point in my life but god was so merciful to remind me i was his not because of my life choices but because of his choices his yes. plan yeah and you know it i think about that a lot you know by the way brad every time i pass a buzzard on the side <laughs> of the road I thank God for that buzzard that came through my windshield. Mm-hmm. It, every time I see it, I'm reminded of what he did for me because that was such a providential act that he maneuvered that bird into my chest to get my attention to be more in love with him. I mean, think about that just for a second mm-hmm. on just that basis yeah. that, that, he sacrificed that bird. I mean, I go to, to get your yeah, attention. Yeah, people go. Well, we don't need buzzards anyway. Yeah, you do. You know what buzzards do? They eat roadkill. They eat yeah. all kinds <laughs> of things. People don't have any idea about the food chain and how things work with animals. You know, whether it's rats, buzzards. Yes, they can be a problem. But God created everything for His glory. And I I never really appreciated buzzards until that day. <laughs> I can be honest. I, I can't say that I had a real appreciation for them. But now, every time I see a buzzard on the side of the road, I thank God. God, thank you for what you did. Well, and that's kind of my point, is I believe that we can look back and we can see God's hand in the midst of very difficult situations, that God does beautiful things in those in those instances. In fact, that's what He's doing. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and and you know, Brad, even if it's a bird, or even if it's a what a burger not doing what you right. want it to do, right? Which I know you you experience that. And and the truth is, most people we don't have these dramatic, what I call them Damascus Road mm-hmm. experiences, but it, there's still the pain attached to that's it. That's right. There's the pain of wonder man, am I going to make it through this? There's a pain of how do I get through next week? Well, it, just as you said, interesting, you brought up Whataburger. We we actually, after church yesterday, uh, Vic and I ran through our very first Whataburger that we opened over 20 years ago. And it is interesting to go in there and realize there was, there was some painful stuff that happened in the years that we owned and operated those businesses. And, uh, you know, but I'm thankful for him. I tell people all the time. I mean, you know, we went through the hardship of 2006, 7, 8, as, as most of the U.S. went through in, at some level. And the reality is, no, I didn't like that. I didn't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But now I can look back and I'm thankful for it because God exposed some things in my life, uh, some really some idols in my life. And uh, had I not experienced that pain, I probably would never have seen that. And mm. so God is sovereign. God is working those things out. And uh, the reality is uh, it's in those situations that he shows his care. He shows his love for us. Mm. 
that uh, he is going, he is in the process of transforming us mm-hmm. into the image of Christ. And he's going to use some tough stuff to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking as, as you were talking about, you know, uh, from Paul to the centurion, from the centurion to the tribune, you know, all that flow that when, when Paul's nephew shares with him that there's a plot to kill you, I, just the fact that Paul believed him, you know, because like you said, the day before, Jesus appears to him in the cell. Yeah. In the barracks. And, and it says, says he stood with him. Yeah. And you've yeah. got to go to Rome. Boy, we, we doubt God quickly yeah. when we hear news that's bad. Well, and again, pray for these parents and all the families uh, at Covenant School there in Nashville. And uh, just want to remember them uh, as we go out today. And Brad, tomorrow when we come back, we're going to see how Esther really is a broader, more definitive illustration of what we read with Paul in Acts 22. Looking forward. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. Uh, you can email us at ask at SWAT Radio 